process is is incredibly important to me. Um, it, it, it's important to me because it's one of the things that made me interested in art in the first place. In today's podcast, we talk with Philip Hansen about his work in the current exhibition, Matter and Energy, on display at the Saginaw Art Museum through March 3rd, 2021. Hansen explains the process of building dioramas, photographing them, and then digitally manipulating the photographs. In our discussion, he shares his perspective on the process of creating his art, as well as the intersection of the physical and virtual world. We are here today with Philip Hansen. Uh, Philip, welcome to the Saginaw Art Museum podcast. Glad you could join us. Thanks a lot, Thor. I'm glad to be here. Um, for those who may not have seen your work before, uh, specifically the digital work that we have at the museum right now, how would you describe the digital pieces that you have created? There, there are a lot of ways to describe it. The best way, of course, always is to go to the museum yourself and check it out. Um, if if you can't make it there, you can go to my website, uh, which is just my name, philiphansen.com. Um, the, the work is quite varied, really. Um, I, I would say that the, the images are not what you would expect to see necessarily. They're abstractions. Um, they are not images of things. They're more, more or less images of spaces. And I know, I know that's, that's quite vague. So you might have to ask a few more questions to get me, <laughs> get, <laughs> sure. get me there. Well, maybe if you explain the process a little bit about how you create these digital images, that would help. Right. So process is, is incredibly important to me. Um, it, it, it's important to me because it's one of the things that made me interested in art in the first place. I remember the first painting I ever made, and I'm, I'm trained as a, as a painter, so I do paintings as well as these digital works that I actually consider, uh, I consider them as paintings. But my first painting experience was actually a, a non-objective abstract work of art. And I had a clear idea of some blobs and I painted them. And then when I looked at the result, I was satisfied that I, I did it the way I wanted to, exactly how I wanted to. And I absolutely hated it. And um, it wasn't until uh, a few months later that I tried painting again. And this time I didn't have a plan. Uh, I just started pushing paint around on a surface and an interesting image happened. And it was something that was um, more interesting to me than having a pre-planned idea of what the result was going to be. Um, and it was a surprise. It was kind of like Christmas morning or, or um, just having, having no expectations and arriving uh, at a solution. And there's something really beautiful about that. To me, it's, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of like faith in a way in that, in that when I start an image, I don't have any idea of what's going to happen. And sometimes in the process, everything feels miserable and it feels lost. And then eventually, through the process, something comes about that is what I wouldn't really expect. And so for most of the images in the gallery right now, those images are um, in the same way not planned from the beginning. And they're heavily mediated through process. So I might begin by finding an interesting pattern, some pattern from my life. So 
And by that, I mean like literally a pattern. So um, I might open an envelope and see an interesting security pattern on an envelope. And then um, from there, I, I will manipulate that pattern digitally to, to change it, um, to make it more uh, varied and spatial. And then um, I'll have a, digital, a bunch of digital files of just patterns. I take those patterns and I, I cut them out, usually with um, a computer, a robotic cutter, like a Cricut, something like that, if the listeners are familiar with that. And uh, I create sculptures out of those cut pieces of paper. And this gets long because it's a very long and mediated process. Um, and then I'll, I'll set those sculptures of paper up in, in different ways. And um, I, will, I will try to create a sensation uh, that's, that's visually appealing to me. And oftentimes that sensation arrives through uh, memory and experiences that I've had elsewhere. So for example, one of my first jobs as a kid when I was about five, my dad had a, a small apiary and we would work with bees. And so one of the things I might do is I might take a beehive smoker and while I'm photographing these cut paper sculptures, I might add actual smoke into the image or I might shine a light off of a cheese grater uh, to get a, 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 a visual effect. I take those photographs and I take you know hundreds of those photographs and that is sort of the raw data that I use to make these images. So that's that's the beginning part of the process and there's a secondary part that follows. So in in sort of the building of of those layers of photographs um maybe not to make too close of an uh, analogy but that that in a sense is is almost your palette or your your paint that you're working with um do you think that that would be an accurate description or um would you describe it a different way yeah um so i guess i would describe it maybe what well, i think it's accurate but i might use different words and and what i mean by that is um, when when you're going through these these processes, um, there's there's something akin. I, I think it I think it's Robert Smith Smithson who, I think it's Robert Smithson who is known for for a sculpture where, you know, he would he backed up a a, a dump truck full of asphalt and dumped it down a, a a hillside, and you know there's something about that kind that kind of idea where when you do something like that you don't know exactly what it's what it's going to do but over time you get an idea of of you know the the subtleties that might occur in an action like that and so just like with paint if i were to um, pour paint over a surface and let it drip in a certain direction there are certain things like that digitally that you know you can you can control certain uh filters um and and other things both in photography in the photography part the sculpture part and the the um digital manipulation part they're all like almost like um filters of consciousness that that i tune in to find the image that i'm looking for yeah i i I think that that's a a sort of an interesting way of of describing that um it, it feels like you know, in this process, there's there's almost a sense of innocence in the sense of not knowing exactly what's going to happen, 
but having some concept of uh, how the how things work together or don't work together because of the experience that that you've had before. Uh, so you're almost building on 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 that. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's correct. Um, I'd also add that I don't really enjoy it unless I get sort of lost on the journey, unless I'm 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 working on something and I get completely frustrated on it, and then I find some resolution. There's something about getting lost to find something new or or moving into a territory where you don't really know the boundaries and then discovering something and bringing that back to share with, with other people. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that artists, a lot of artists strive to do to find something, to see something they haven't seen and to bring it back and to share it with others. I think that's a great gift that, that artists give the community. Yeah. And, and you're, you're almost telling us a story in, in a sense, you know, when, when, when you talk about this, this frustration that you experience and then, you, you know, like there's this, there's still this beginning and middle and end and, um, uh, uh, that process along the way becomes a story to that, that final image or that, that final, final, uh, piece of art. Um, how do you, do you, do you, do you feel like, um, you're able to know when you're done, uh, when a piece is finished, or do you feel like that's a little bit more ambiguous uh, with some pieces that you work on rather than others? Uh, tell me a little bit more about about sort of that the ending part of the process. Right. So the interesting thing about working digitally is that there there's the potential for no waste whatsoever. And there's the potential for, for unfinished business to be at peace. And so what I, what I mean by that is, um, there are many works that haven't, haven't been resolved. So for everyone in the exhibition, there might be 30, um, iterations of that, or there might, there might be other versions that didn't arrive at a solution that I thought I wanted to share with others. But the interesting thing about that, and what I mean by no waste is, you know, it's all, it's all there on a hard drive. And on a, on a particular day, I might look at those on the day I'm making them. I might, I might think that oh, these are no good and they're, they're terrible. And I can, I can, I can enjoy that bit of suffering <laughs> for a moment there. Uh, and I just put them away. Well, I can come back to those same images like three, four, eight years later and think, wow, I was really onto something. That's a really good idea. And um, that's something really beautiful about, about working in this way. And it happens in the, in the physical studio, but there's not this, there's not the same kind of uh, flexibility. You can't destroy an image and then, and then do command Z and have everything go back to normal. So there's, there's something about that. But in terms of the one, like how I know I'm at a place I want to share it with others, there's a, a lot of factors that that uh, that come into play for that. And I think we we all, as as creative people, I think not that I can speak for all creative people, um, but uh, I think there's a there are parameters of or ideas that that you want to want to share or that you privilege. 
And for me, one of those ideas is is a sense of familiarity and 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 almost like that feeling of being lost I was talking about. There's there's moments where I feel like almost like a deja vu sort of sensation, like, ah, this is it. This is the place that I was that I was thinking of but didn't know it, or or I've arrived here. And and it's just for me, it's that kind of sensation. There may be aspects of that that are classic in terms of um, design, in terms of the way one might balance a composition or in terms of a, a color palette that's also um, classic. You know, there's a lot of, in, in my work, you'll see a lot of um, complementary uh, color schemes or analogous color schemes. And, um, you know, that sort of, you know, that that may or may not play into the sense of it being finished. And I, my, my guess is it it probably does. There's a lot of a lot of subconscious things going on when you're working in this way. So you know, sort of a, along that sort of line, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the difference between working in a digital space and viewing that digital piece in a digital space versus the physical space. Um, you know, with our phones and computers, we're we're engaged in art in a different way than um, people in in previous generations. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, what your view is of how people are uh, able to consume your pieces. Uh, I, you know, whether that's that sort of scrolling along or coming to the museum and standing in front of in front of a work. Um, and what what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think particularly, you know, that 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 question is an excellent question, particularly considering the situation we're in with the COVID nineteen pandemic, because even more so, people are viewing and consuming and interacting with art in a digital way on their phone than they have in, ever in the past. I would imagine that that's that's true. I know it's it is uh, for me. I'm I'm going to the museums. Uh, less than I normally would right now, um, and I think that that's probably true for for a lot of people. And you know, there is something there's something really nice about being able to to share your work in a, on a platform that people can see it so readily and easily. Um, I, I'll I'll share my work on my website, on Instagram, um, and and other places. And the convenience of it, I think, is is uh, tremendous. Um, that being said, uh, there's a there's a disconnect in some ways between n- normally. Well, if we take let's take for example uh, a painting in a in a museum. If 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 um, you know if if you're seeing one of the paintings there in in the in the uh, Saginaw Art Museum, there's a there's it's a much different experience to see them in person than it is to see them. Um, on a on a small screen, and part of that is the materiality. So for the the digital work, that's a question that that I'm always thinking about, because really the only way it becomes material is through some kind of printing process. And uh, I have the work in the exhibition mounted in a couple of different ways. One is traditional framing with glass over it, and another one is uh, face mounted on a um, on a, a surface that's like 
like a plexiglass. It's not. It's a harder surface than that. But both of those expressions have a have a different sensation, a different feeling to them. Um, the the ones that are face mounted, they don't have a a border around them, and they feel more a little bit more object like than than the the um, the ones that are within frames. For me and and my my entire art practice, I think about this question of materiality a lot. I think about how we're all we're kind of going between the the virtual world between the screen one second and the next second we're doing something in the in our physical space and so for my paintings my my handmade painted works, I try very much to express the sort of physicality of the substance of paint and material that can't be achieved at least with the processes I'm doing digitally and so for my work there's a dialogue between those those pieces that are that are um, very physical and the ones that are that are um, digital. I feel like I'm kind of going all over the place on this answer. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult uh, difficult thing to think about. I'm I'm glad that you're addressing it, and because you are sort of crossing those boundaries both ways. Yeah. So the other thing I should I should mention, and and it doesn't really apply to the exhibition I have up in the in the uh, Saginaw Art Museum, but many times it, it it relates to the scale of the piece. And so if, if there was a digital work that's printed very, very large, the sensation that we get from that is different than a digital work that's printed very small. And, and when our bodies, our physical bodies are challenged by the scale of an image, that causes us to think about that image in a different way. It's different than something that you can hold in your hand, right? Um, so that the, the only problem with that is it's expensive to produce. So if you were to take one of my digital images and produce it at a very large scale, that, that uh, for me, that's prohibitive. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the future directions that you would like to go in? Or um, do you feel like looking towards the future, you're sort of approaching that the same way that you're approaching creation of of these pieces where there's a sense of uh discovery about what's going to happen next and trying not to get moving down the road too far and uh just in, enjoying each uh stage that that you're working in well um well i wish i could enjoy each stage that i'm working in like there's something about my process that i enjoy it incredibly and i love doing it but it's not like it's it's not enjoyable all with just smiles and happiness. There's there's a there's a good deal of of frustration and and feeling like everything's about to implode before there's resolution. Um, and so so when I look to the future, the the more difficult question for me really is like how do I limit the possibilities in some way? Um, and and I say that because. You know, at, well, one of my one of the things I do is I teach at Saginaw Valley State University, and I teach the first classes that students get the foundation classes. And one of the things that we do in those classes is to limit the criteria for the assignment so that the student has to be creative within that space. It's a way for them to learn 
very specific things and to to get a level of mastery over those over those concepts. And so the one of the most difficult questions for for me is what are the best questions for me to ask? How can I limit my exploration to those questions and and those ideas? Because you know, I wake up in the morning and I may have 10 ideas, but that doesn't that's not always a good thing. That can cause choice paralysis. Uh it it can and that's usually what happens. You have all these ideas and you just end up sitting on them because um, it takes time to to work them out. So for me, moving forward is always about sort of creating or finding limitations that carry with them potential and some kind of power. Well, Philip, um, thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights today and for sharing your art uh, with the community here. Uh, at the Saginaw Art Museum, um, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever whatever limits you find and seeing how you work inside those limits. Great. Well, thanks for having me, and I, and I do appreciate the opportunity to to chat about my work. Um, thanks so much, Thor. Thank you for listening to the Saginaw Art Museum podcast. You can stay connected with the museum through our website and social media channels. We invite you to become a subscriber of this podcast or become a monthly contributor to the show to help us carry out our mission of providing art for all.